Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rayner answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the EST. My name is Josh King, and I am joined with Micah Fries and Sam Rayner. We are so glad to be with you this morning. Before we get started on the show, I do want to mention the upcoming October 4th EST conference. You can register yourself and your team for a great time here in Dallas talking about the established church, what makes it great, how we can help you with our um, key speaker being Dr. Tom Rayner. You can find out more information and register your team at estconf.com. Micah, Sam, how are you today? How's life going? It's good, man. It's summertime and the living's easy. Summertime, <laughs> man. It's it's uh, summertime's just about done. When do you guys? Uh, let's see. We're recording this. What the third week of July? How long do you guys have left in summer? Um, we don't have a non-summer. Yeah, just, that's true. Well, I'm thinking time. in terms of like kids being out of school, that sort of. Oh thing. right, right. Oh, we're less than a month away. Yeah, um, we're we're three weeks away from the start of school. We are two weeks away. Our kids go back to school in two weeks. 2018 flew by. It's, it's gone by really year. fast. I mean, you know, I guess as you get older, every year goes faster. It just feels like crazy fast. So Yeah, I mean, all of our I – mean, this is why when you say summer, you know, living is easy, I'm sitting here thinking, man, all of our summer activities are finished. Our kids go back to school in two weeks. Like, I'm completely in fall mode now. Like, What's your favorite uh, summer, like, leisure type? What's your, your, you know, lake, river? What do you like to do? Mountains near water. Would be yeah, for me my gorgeous. favorite. In fact, I've got for for Father's Day, my wife got me and one of my best friends. His wife, they went together and got us a six person whitewater rafting half day trip. And so cool. we're taking six guys to a week and a half from now, and we're mm-hmm. going on a Friday night. We're going to the mountains, which for us is only you know forty five minutes away, mm-hmm. and uh, we're gonna camp out. We'll get up next morning and do some fly fishing in the river, and then after lunch, we're all whitewater rafting all afternoon. So that to me is that's relaxation at its ultimate peak. Sam, anything uh, better than the beach? Well, because I'm a red-blooded American male, baseball. Mm. Oh, I'm with you there, Sam. Now that's good. I like. I, I'm I'm with you about summer baseball. That's fantastic. Did, of course, course, the beach. Your course, team and yeah. my team aren't playing much baseball this year, but nonetheless. Hey, well, we're we're uh, as listen. Yesterday, I, I know. Everyone who listens to this is probably not paying attention to the Tampa Bay Rays. But <laughs> you're going to hit a grand slam, right? We or had baseball. our first walk-off grand slam I saw to that. get a game above 500 in uh it's the first walk-off grand slam in uh, franchise history. Yeah, I saw that. That's uh and your game above 500. I didn't realize you guys had I've been gone for a few weeks and so I hadn't been paying attention to you. You guys did have you guys, uh, picked it up. Um, did you guys see the Millennial Night at the Montgomery Alabama The ballpark? Biscuits, the Montgomery Biscuits. I saw that. 
I thought it was a genius. The <laughs> idea of a nap station at baseball games, I thought the whole baseball game was a nap station. Oh, but, my gosh. Um, apparently, this is a good thing. So, Well, you know what the other big deal is, Josh? All the NFL teams report for training camp this week. Yay, football. This week. Bum, nah. bum, bum, bum. Nah. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right, we need to talk about stuff. Uh, Micah, you said you've been gone for a couple of weeks. You were on a mission trip to Hawaii, I think it was. You yeah, that's right. to Hawaii to reach the coastal region. Um, it's, uh, it was on a golf course. We call it the Fairway to Heaven Ministry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bye. No, we you were in Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's right. Cruising to Jesus. <laughs> Man, as we get older, we're all just going to get cheesier. The dad jokes are awful. <laughs> yeah, the, the dad jokes the dad will be jokes strong for the next few years. <laughs> yes. I love dad jokes. I oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, um, okay, you weren't doing fake missions. You were doing actual missions. What was the... Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we, um, I took my whole family, wife and three kids, and we were overseas for almost a month. Uh, we left a month ago yesterday, four weeks, so we missed being gone for four weeks by, I think, 48 hours. And uh, so this was an opportunity for us to take our family over there and spend, uh, we spent about two and a half weeks on the field with them and then the rest of the travel time and everything uh, just working in that area of the world, training pastors, doing some evangelism. It was fantastic. Very cool. And did you do this, um, is this just a Brainerd thing, or is it with IMB? Um? Yeah, I mean, they work with the IMB, um, but we were, um, I mean, it, you know, it was a Brainerd trip, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we prioritize partnerships with the IMB, and so. And some um, of our listeners are not Southern Baptist. IMB is our International, international Mission board. board. Yeah, it's the largest international mission board um, in evangelical Christianity, and so. Um, yeah, so we prioritize partnerships with the IMB, and most of our people that we send out work with the IMB, and so we... Uh, that's that's on my bucket list. Istanbul? Istanbul? Oh, yeah. It's my favorite oh, yeah. global city. It's my it's favorite beautiful. city in the world. It is... Uh, I've been there, I don't know, five, six, seven times, something like that. Maybe more than that, and I, I think we. It. I think we might need to form a mission partnership. I can help you with that. But don't make me do any work. I just want to go over there and see the sites. It is. Uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of San Selfies. Francisco. Um Interestingly enough, it's very European. You know, it's the only city in the world that's on two continents. Half the cities in Europe, half the cities in Asia. Yes, and, uh, yes, that's why it's on my bucket list. Really intriguing, and it's very European. I mean, the architecture, the culture, very European, and uh, sits on the water. It's on an isthmus, um, and so it's surrounded by water everywhere. It, this is interesting. You guys will find this by the interesting. Way, isthmus. That's a really good word. It's a fantastic word. By the way, isthmus. what major American city is on an isthmus? St. Petersburg, Florida. Is it really? I did not know that. I, no, I was thinking no. of a different city. No, no I was going to say, I didn't think um, St. Peter's. That's isthmus real quick. An isthmus is a, a, a patch of land basically connecting uh, with water on either side with two larger pieces of land. So it's basically like a land bridge almost running mm. between two large pieces of land uh, through the water. Madison, Wisconsin is the answer. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Also the only city in America that as of a few years ago had an actual, had a person serving on city council who was an actual registered communist. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. If you're a pastor in Madison, hit us up on Twitter. We just Welcome to, to Geography Today with Micah Freeze, <laughs> the podcast for those yes. of you who care Cultural about where things geography. are. This is Cultural like, uh, you guys ever watch the Big Bang Theory, Fun with Flags? We're going to do, uh, this is oh, our yeah. version of Fun <laughs> with Flags. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so Istanbul is a fantastic, incredible city. Love it. Very, uh, it's metropolitan and uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. I actually got to spend time in the last week in my two favorite cities in the world, Istanbul and Singapore, both. Our family did a few days of vacation in Singapore and the Mm -hmm. way on the way through as well. It was good. Sam, 
What do you uh, you do any of these short term mission projects? I do, um, and I, I you know it's been a year or two since I've really pushed outward uh, mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. the community. Part of that's just you know I'm, I've been here three years now, and there was a lot right. to do locally, particularly with the heroin epidemic mm-hmm. um, in our community. But we have we have several trips that are planned, um, and our people have been going all along. I just need to get out there. That I need to, as Micah would say, I need to make it a priority for me as a lead pastor. Right. Um, we go typically to Spanish-speaking areas because mm-hmm. we have Spanish speakers in our church. So we do a lot in Latin America, um, and particularly Nicaragua, Belize. Uh, but we are we're going to be begin doing some work in uh, the Middle East region, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Northern Africa as well. Um, and I'll be going to Armenia, hopefully within you know the next six months or so. Very um, cool. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's a priority for us. We call ourselves a neighborhood church for the nations. Mm, very good. And That's that a long prepositional, title, pre- yeah, prepositional phrase there for the nations implies all people. Mm-hmm. And really, all all geographic locations, as many as we can get to. Um, that's, for the you know, nations within, is within way holier than for the church. That's just better. What's oh that? my word. Oh, my word. I'm just saying. That's a better catchphrase. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You should get a um, William Carey bobblehead. That would, that would really boost what? sales. Uh, you know, I, 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 really, I really do like <laughs> Neighborhood Church for the Nations. I should trademark it so that no one can steal it, right? That's, that's good, good kingdom work. That's, that's good, good kingdom man. that we live in. <laughs> Having said all this, we haven't introduced our topic yet, Josh. We probably need to short-term clarify our topic. <laughs> and short-term mission projects. Pastors <laughs> and engaging on mission. Yeah, you know— and a lot of churches now, or it beca- I don't even know if it's now anymore, but it became sort of a uh, fad to say that, you know, short-term mission projects are bad. Right. And I think, you know, it right. kind of, I think that the thought there was good. It's sort of like um, J.D. Greer's book, Don't Ask Jesus in Your Heart, or Stop Asking Jesus in Your Heart. It's supposed to catch your attention in a way to make you think critically about what's going on. And one of the reasons we want to talk about this is because Sam and I have strong opinions on missions and stuff like that, but Micah is really very well experienced in this and the idea of leading your church on mission. And so let's think through some of those problems. Why Micah or Sam, either one of you, why did people push back on this? Why push back? On, aren't they great? Short well, short uh, so, so let me back up and say a couple of things, if I can, as a little bit of introductory yeah, commentary. Um, first, I, I don't think churches should – let me see how I want to say this. And I want you to follow me, so don't – turn off the podcast as soon as I say this, because you need to understand what I'm saying here. Churches shouldn't do short-term mission projects. Mm. Churches should be on mission. And being on mission should occasionally involve short-term opportunities to engage globally, locally, uh, nationally, and globally. But our goal should not be to do short-term mission trips. Our goal should be to be on mission, I'm I'm convinced, to have established long-term mission partnerships and one of the elements of those partnerships should be short-term mission trips. The, I, I'm afraid we have a lot of pastors who are trained theologically. They're trained homiletically. Mission training is limited and um, vastly underrated, I think, in much of the evangelical world. Say and that as again. A, what is, what is just mission training, training in mission. Both the why and the how of mission. And so as a result of that, we have people who, A, don't prioritize mission because they haven't thought about it that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or B, if they do mission, they often do mission poorly 
because they haven't thought through the implications of how and why we do mission and how do we do mission in a way that's most helpful? How do we do it mission? And so you asked the question, why were people pushing back on short-term mission trips? I think a lot of that happened because people said, well, look, the, the short-term mission trips that we're seeing done are not being done well. In fact, they're hurting more than they're helping. In fact, a whole book came out of that, When Helping Hurts, written by Brian Fickert, who is here in Chattanooga. I've gotten to know a little bit, and I absolutely I, – I, couldn't recommend a book more strongly than that book. I think we require all of our short-term volunteers to read that book. Um, highly recommend it. But we have lots of people who, you know, sort of in a generic way, believe that mission matters and they care about the globe and they want to do mission. And so they say, let's do a short-term mission trip. And they mean well and, and they're excited about it. And they don't realize that often what they're doing in mission can even be more harmful than it can be helpful. They actually set mission back in the way they do short-term mission trips. So uh, pastors, churches need to think in terms of how do we engage a culture um, most effectively to lead people to be disciples. Mm -hmm. And that generally takes long-term partnerships. It generally takes um, not only multiple trips going in and out, it takes establishing leaders on the, on the, on the ground, on the field, training and developing them, giving them the authority to lead. You know, there are, there are basic principles that are involved in how we do short-term partnerships. And one of those basic principles is those on the local level are the ones who drive the, the strategy. We don't drive the strategy nearly as much as they do. They're the ones who have to live there and, and work there and, and invest there, and it has to last long-term. And so we just accept that they're the boss. So if we're working with missionaries, if we're working with indigenous pastors, we want them to help establish strategy and guide the way we engage, uh, you know, engage them. Even if we think we've got better ideas and better ways to do it, um, I think a faithful, both a faithful ecclesiology and a faithful missiology demand that they get to sort of drive the, drive the the ship. I mean, the local church matters, right? They're the king of the, of the, uh, uh, or they're the uh, epicenter of the the kingdom of God, and so we want the local church, the local believers, to sort of drive that that strategy. So I say all that to say, don't just do short term trips. Short term trips become global vacations mm-hmm. with sort of mission tacked on it. We we don't need that. We don't want that. That can actually hurt more than it can help. And I can give you personal experiences. I can share with you personal stories that help illustrate that. What we want are long-term committed global partnerships that lead to disciples who make disciples. That requires investment, strategy, time, intentionality. And then as a part of that, we do short-term trips, but to facilitate the long-term partnership. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sam, The um, I'm curious on what you think about this because – you know, I'm at a, a a medium to smaller sized church, and a lot of our listeners are at even smaller churches. And a lot of what Micah just said, kind of at first, feels like, man, we can't accomplish that. We don't have a missions pastor and a huge budget. We can't go off and, you know, spend a month over, you know, all that kind of stuff. It seems like that seems like a big church deal. So it is, you know, uh, yeah. Well, well, I that mean, um, is. But how can I get involved in international missions? Or, right, you know, so the, the, I, I, I'm actually in Micah's camp here with mm-hmm. forming long-term partnerships, not doing these mission vacations. I, I, I completely agree with Micah. Where I would push back a little bit, and I think that he would probably agree with me, is on this issue of accessibility to your people. Um, so a lot of times when you inherit this, – this is a podcast for established churches, and a lot of times when you inherit an established church, that church is doing absolutely nothing in terms of evangelism or mission. I mean, that, that's a Like lot locally or globally? Anything. Okay. Anything. They're not sh- – the people are not sharing their faith. The people are not going anywhere to share their faith. Um, so 
we, we you know a lot of a lot of our listeners may need to take several steps back and you know where Mike is at is a really good place and his church is in a very healthy place from a missions perspective the vast majority of churches are not so we need to train people in a way that it is accessible to them meaning you, you know if you're going to form a long-term partnership with this uh, you know isolated group you know this one missionary in an isolated group in the middle of the Amazon jungle in Brazil and try to get your people down there. I mean, that, that's a very hard trip. It's a very dangerous trip. Not everyone's going to just sign up for that. Um, you need to take some baby steps. And you would do the same thing with evangelism. You would train people, like, just where they are. It's like, okay, you haven't shared your faith in, like, 10 years, or you've never shared your faith. Well, let's just take one baby step. Mission's the same way. We, we as pastors, don't, don't get too caught up in the end game. Just get people going somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, for the time being. And it could be, you know, Canada. It could be Mexico. It could be a place that is a little more accessible. It's not a 60-hour plane trip somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage, if your church is doing nothing or very little, start with the next step that is accessible to your people to get them excited. Otherwise, you're just going to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your church is just going to fall back into its old mode of, well, we tried and it didn't work. Let me let me give you personal experience where I, I'm, let me affirm absolutely everything Sam just said. Uh, I, and I can tell you, I, so a previous church where I pastored, um, we, when I got there, I heard people say, we're missions-minded, right? And what they meant by that is we pray for missions and we give some to missions a couple times a year. Um, but we weren't really going. We didn't have any long-term strategy. And so missions, it wasn't a mess. It wasn't dysfunctional. It just wasn't, really, if that makes sense. And so what we did there is exactly what Sam just said. We need – our key issue is we need to get our people on mission. And so um, we knew that our long-term goal was let's go to hard-to-reach areas. Let's reach particularly – uh, Muslim people with the gospel, you know, we want to do those things, but I knew our people weren't prepared. They didn't understand what good missiology looks like. We didn't have the resources to do all of that. So I said, okay, we're going to start with a fairly easy access area. And so I went to, for our, in our instance, I went to the International Mission Board and I said, can you give us three places that are in Central and South America? So they're fairly easy. They're probably in the same time zone or maybe one time zone away from where we are. I've got to get people on a plane. That was important to me. I wanted people to get on a plane, have a passport, um, but it's probably going to be a fairly short flight, and it's going to be in Spanish, which a lot of our folks have some familiarity with Spanish. And But I said, where areas where you can't send missionaries because you've just got other priorities. And so they sent me three areas. I took it to our missions team, and I said, all right, here are the three areas. Here's pros and cons. Here's what it's going to cost. You guys pick which partnership we should jump into. And uh, they didn't pick the one I thought they would. They picked one in a Central American country. And we said, okay, the great thing about this is we can take all ages. We can take children, teenagers, and adults. Uh, not real strenuous physically. I can take some older folks. Uh, it's pretty inexpensive. I can take a lot of people. And so we made that our commitment. Well, today, there's we planted a church. We revitalized a church. There's another church planted, and an orphanage is there uh, that now has started a Christian school, and they're talking about starting a Christian college. All of that came when we were sending 15 people a year at the beginning um, to this Central American place. But what we were able to do is we were able to quickly take a bunch of our folks down there at low cost, get them excited about the nations, get them excited about the globe, teach them what good missiology looks like so that about three years down the road after we started that partnership, we started our second partnership in the Middle East in a very difficult area where we can only take three or four people at a time 
but I wasn't going to be able to take large groups of people. I mean, it was hard to get large groups of people to go fly to the Middle East. But I was ready. I had three or four people at a time who would go to the Middle East and do this hard work of doing evangelism. They had been trained in good missiology. And so I think of it as a stair step, which I think is what Sam's describing. Mm-hmm. Stair step your church. Don't just get people to go. Sure, take them to an easy access place. Take them to a low-cost place. But have in your mind good strategy and good missiology in that place so that while you're taking them there, you're training them to do harder and more difficult mission partnerships that they don't even realize right now. Yeah. Can I even add a a lower step than that? Sure. And in some areas, we're fortunate enough to live in a, you know, a major city. And there are, I can take you right now to areas not far at all from here that if you go into that area with me and like, let's go to lunch no one there speaks English. No one there was born in the United States. Everyone there, in this particular case, everyone speaks Vietnamese. Everybody will greet you in Vietnamese. All the food is Vietnamese. All the clothing, I'm talking traditional clothing, is walking around. You feel like you just kind of, if you close your eyes, all the signs, there's no, there's not even English signs on any of the buildings. And so when I came to Saxe, I thought, I just assumed we're in Texas, we're going to need to do something about Spanish-speaking folks. So that was our, that was my initial deal. But what I found out was there's a huge population of Vietnamese here. And I'm talking about um, immigrant Vietnamese, not, you know, later on just Vietnamese background. These people speak Vietnamese. So we were intentional about reaching the Vietnamese. And so we put Vietnamese on our website. We put Vietnamese on our uh, invitation cards, these sort of things and helped to start a Vietnamese church. So it, the way it fleshed out was we started to be intentional about making friends with Vietnamese people, and then we had a church that we helped start that we could plug them into. So there was a very initial looking around where we are. I've taken students, when I was a student pastor, down to Houston, into which is one of the most diverse cities in America, and gone into what we call Chinatown and exposed them to different cultures. Because and so if you're not a lead pastor, and maybe you're talking about students, you're wanting to express these things. If you have a partnership, I've thought, you know, before, if we had a partnership, say in Vietnam or somewhere else that we were doing there, you can also get people who can't necessarily take the plane trip to go down to parts of Dallas and still work with the Vietnamese and those sort of things. So there are steps where you've got to start seeing people as souls, seeing cross-cultural, seeing God create different people who need the gospel. So um, all of this is vital and i don't care really where you live you can probably get involved i love the way you thought through it same time zone you know plane you could take different ages that sort of stuff helps but we've got to see it in a strategy way but see what you're describing josh we've done this exact same thing the last church i served on staff at in the nashville area we did this exact same thing we looked around our community and we said what people groups are in our community Mm-hmm. And we found two people groups, the Mistec people from southern Mexico and the Kurdish people from the Middle East. And we said, okay, our church is committed to reaching Mistec and Kurds. And that means wherever they are, we're going to try and reach Mistec and Kurds. And so we said, look, everybody in our church can reach Mistec and Kurds, whether you reach them here in our county or you mm-hmm. go overseas with them. And so that's how we determined our global partnerships was by that's looking cool. and asking that's who was cool. in our backyard. And mm-hmm. and by doing that, every single person in our church felt like God was using them to help reach Mistec and Kurdish people. And they, we just did it here, there, and everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, again, thinking strategically like that. Don't think in terms of short-term mission trips. Think in terms of strategy to reach peoples with the gospel. How do we make disciples of all nations? 
and a big aspect of strategy, and I think one of the pushbacks to these, you know, he, here's something we need to say. When we joke about vacation missions or those sort of things, rich people in rich places in beautiful parts of our world need the gospel too. So that's not what we're necessarily talking about. We're not saying don't do a mission project to Hawaii or you know, um, the Bahamas. I mean, I've heard. Actually, Josh, I will tell you, I've done some pastor training in Hawaii and they're Mm -hmm. desperate in need for partners. They can't get them because everybody thinks exactly what you just said. Well, if we go to Hawaii, well, that's just us going for a vacation. And they're, they, Hawaii and Alaska, I've done some training in both places and both of their leadership told me we need churches to come and partner with us for the gospel. So that's not what we're saying. No, but on the other side of that, what I am trying to, or you're trying to point out strategy. The other thing that I really want to point out is partnerships. Missions, for me, has to involve a local church. And so if it's not there, you start it. If it is there, you partner with it. And that's one of the reasons I like being a part of a network or a convention, because usually we can find somebody to partner with even. Like maybe we're going to a region that doesn't have a church, but there's a region next to it that has a church, and we can partner with them in order to do that. And I think a lot of times these vacation uh, missions projects, you drop into a place, do a little backyard Bible club, and leave, that's part of the I think and we don't have a lot of time but for those those that are out there that never really thought through this they're now thinking okay I'm at a smaller church but I can get involved in a nutshell what is the harm that everybody's talking about with these small they don't seem to be hurting you what is what's harming everybody okay so uh, Sam do you want to jump in there I've got some thoughts resource it's a resource drain that's part of it um, for the church that's sending or for the, the people for both, that are there? For both. both. Yeah, for both. Yeah, it, and it's uh, a lot of time wasted. So resources in terms of money and time, um, and, and because the host that's there has to really work hard to make sure that everyone's taken care of. Um, and and it, and it defeats a sense of sacrifice where, you know, if you're going to be on mission, you have to live a sacrificial life. And if you live a sacrificial life, it's changing the way that you live. And if it's if you're going on mission that's really just disguise, you know, it's a vacation disguised. Well, that's not really sacrifice. That's not the mission of God. So I'd say even theologically, there is an issue with with some of these trips, not not all of them, but some of these short term trips. Yeah, there's also a problem with just missiologically um, making disciples requires time, and never is a disciple made in one week. And when all when the extent of our partnership is one week in a place, um, it's very rare for those experiences to result in lasting, transformed disciples. It's a rarity. What, so there's a lack of accountability as well. That's part of it. In fact, what it can create are people who feel like they're a disciple and they're inoculated against the gospel because they raised a hand or made a you know said they made a decision. Um, I've seen that. Now, let me give you, and then the other thing that can happen as a result of it is just bad missiology often comes from random short-term trips. And this is where I want to give you some examples. So my wife and I lived with, we we lived and worked as missionaries in West Africa. And um, I just grip my teeth sometimes when I, I see on social media or online a pastor say, hey, I was in XYZ Village in this country and we saw 3,000 people come to Jesus this week and we planted 22 churches. And I know the village because I used to be in the village and I know the people he's talking about. And 
he's very excited and he means well and he loves Jesus and he wants the gospel to be advanced. And, and I, I, I'm thinking of a very specific example of a very specific person who I recently saw saying this. Oh, please and name I'm names. not going to. <laughs> if I named their name, you wouldn't know them anyway. I love, I love how well, Mike is prefacing all of this. A very yeah, specific per- person. Sorry. And a very specific person. Like, but well, who is my it? point is, even if I named them, you wouldn't know them. This is not somebody that anybody <laughs> knows. I just happen to know them from a previous pastorate. And um, they're very excited. They love Jesus. They mean well. What they don't realize, I've watched this specific village. I've watched churches drop into this village, and the same people, quote, get saved every time, and the same churches get, quote, planted every time, because these same churches bring free stuff with them. They either bring money for things the village needs, or they bring clothes, or they bring glasses. Look, all of those things are important, and they're all needed. But in often in these very poor environments, they'll say whatever you want them to say because they need whatever it is you have to survive. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is not making disciples. What you're doing is not planting churches. What you're often doing is getting people to make a mockery of their faith as an effort to get free stuff from you, which is bad missiology, just coming and bringing free stuff. And, uh, and, and as a result, you're actually inoculating entire large groups of people against actually responding to the real gospel because they've just been trained over years to, to do whatever the person says they ought to do so that they can get the free stuff from them. Does that make sense? It does. And so, again, missiology matters. If I could beg people, read the book, When Helping Hurts. Um, think th- it's phenomenal resource. Think through how what we do globally affects the people when we leave and ask the question is what we're doing more helpful or hurtful. And, and many people will say, well, as long as we preach Jesus, it's helpful. Not necessarily. Look, I could walk into your church, Josh, on Sunday morning or your church, Sam, on Sunday morning, and I could preach a, an extraordinarily accurate message about the gospel. But if I preach the entire message in Dagara, which was the tribal language I learned in West Africa, nobody would be affected. It, it wouldn't have any long-term effect, right? Because right. nobody in your churches knows Dagara. But I preached it accurately. I preached the word. The word went out, and the Bible well, we says— would, We would have an interpreter, Mike. I would stand up there, and I would tell them what you were sure saying. Sure you would. All I think about is phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> but my point is— just because the word is preached and just because the word is preached accurately doesn't mean we impact people's lives with the gospel. Bad missiology can disrupt the advance of the gospel. We've got to think through how we're delivering the gospel. Right. So we're out of time, but um, I think the the important thing that we're talking about You're a killjoy, Josh. I know. Strategy, partnerships. <laughs> I can talk about this for hours. I know. Let's do it again. Let's get that uh, Chattanooga dude on the show. I think that sounds. Really we good. should have Brian on the show. We really yeah. should have him talk through this. So, Micah, Sam, and I are looking forward to the October 4th EST conference. Register your team and yourself at estconf.com. We'll check you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.